ever put it, open it up and, and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I've said this before. If you don't have a Bible, you see me afterwards, we'll give you your very own copy. It's a very nice copy, but you got to read it. You got to take it, read it this week, and bring it back. And so uh, next week. But Ephesians, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 4. Ephesians is a, a book of the Bible that was originally a letter. The Holy Spirit inspired a man named Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul to write a letter to a church in a, in a city called Ephesus. So that's why we, it's called the, 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 the book of, of Ephesians or the letter to the church in Ephesus. It's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author, but God used Paul to write it. In recent weeks, before we get, and it's going to be a little while before we get there, but have it ready. In recent weeks, we have been, um, we have seen what Jesus said about love, right? We've, we've seen what Jesus said about love, and, and, and uh, 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 are we, are, yeah, I, we can go ahead and put that first graphic up there, and, and it's just, yeah, there we go. See, it got that little heart, right? Uh, this time of year, the, the Valentine's and all of that, and we use the word love a great deal, but we looked into God's word to see what, what Jesus said about love, his love for us and our love for him. Boy, Jesus said a great deal about love, and so did many of those early followers of Jesus Christ, as we'll see here in a moment. But, but we, we've seen in recent weeks how, how he calls us to love him, right, with all of our heart, with everything in us, with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. None of this half-hearted love with Jesus, when, when it comes to our love for God, he desires us to give him any, everything. You know, many years ago, I, uh, I, uh, I uh, 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 proposed to my wife. She wasn't my wife when I proposed to her. I proposed to my girlfriend, and, and six months later, we got married. And I, on that day, I, I stood before that congregation, and I did not tell them, you know, uh, tell her in front of them, I'm going to love you just half-heartedly. <laughs> I'm going to love you just occasionally. I'm going to love you four days out of the week. That's the majority. And of course not. That, that would not happen. That's ludicrous. When, when we commit ourselves to truly love someone, we always think that. But what about our love for God? Jesus said we're to love God with everything in us. Now, that's been challenging for some of you, even in the last couple of weeks as I shared it. Because maybe the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that you, you've kind of got some half-hearted love in regards to your walk with the Lord. And, and I, I, I pray, I really pray that you truly demonstrate love for him and Jesus said that multiple times, he said that if you love me, then do what I say. It, Jesus said, if you love me, then, then do what I say. In other words, that love is action, not just empty words. That in the Bible, more often we see love being a, an action, something that we do rather than something we feel. And that differs from the way that love is often explained today. Jesus said that we demonstrate our love for him by loving other people and not just loving those who love us, but Jesus said we are to love those who hate us. Boy, that's challenging. That's challenging. The, the sentiment at that time and in many quarters still in most people today, I'll love you if you love me, but I'll hate you if you hate me. Jesus said, no, that's not how we're going to do it. 
He said, if you're going to be my followers, you're going to love those who love you, but you're also going to demonstrate love towards those who hate you. And then he said, on that Sermon on the Mount, he said, and you're going to pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus says, we're going to do it differently than this world does, and that's important in this message. We're going to do it differently than the, wor- the way that our, our world says that we should do it. This morning, this morning, I'm going to bring a message that I know that God has called me to bring. And uh, I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that often, though I, I really, whenever I step behind this, this, this holy object, it's, it's metal, but I mean, I, I take this very seriously, ministering God's word. I, when, I, when I step up here, I, I, I want to know that I've heard from God and that he has, he has used me to faithfully prepare, but I, I particularly feel that this morning. And I'm going to say right up front, but that this is a difficult message to give and it's going to be a difficult message for many to hear. But, but I know that he has called me to bring it. And so, so even early this morning when I'm here in the wind howling and I, I pray this, I said, Lord, I don't know, I don't know if anybody's going to be there but, but I'm going to trust you that those who are there are the ones who need to hear it. Uh, or, or perhaps they're going to they're listen to the podcast and, 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 and the Lord is going to use that. But, but I'm going to share and I'm going to speak, share something from God's word that I believe the Lord will use to speak to everyone who is here today. And that is this. It, it is sometimes mistaken for love what I'm going to address. It is sometimes mistaken for love, or it is marketed as love, but, but it, it truly bears little resemblance to the selfless and sacrificial love that we have seen in recent weeks. The, the word love is often used in many of these contexts, and yet I must say that what I am addressing bears little resemblance to True, true love. Social observers say that the the movement got its name on October 15th, 2017, when a somewhat known actress in a tweet, used the words, me too. October 15th, 2017. In the the 24 hours after that line was tweeted, it was sent and resent, retweeted is the term, more than 500,000 times in less than 24 hours. And the so-called Me Too movement began. Now, now let me be very clear. Both before that date and, of course, after it, high-profile persons, but particularly it's been spotlighted in recent weeks and months, high-profile persons in seemingly every industry have been accused of or exposed of sexual misconduct. 
you've seen the news, you've read the headlines, you, you've, you've heard the statements, you may have known some or you certainly knew about some. Some of those persons were fired, uh, others resigned in disgrace, some have been incarcerated, and most were humiliated. <laughs> I think it would be surprising if we could go back five years and if I were to tell you that this person is accused of or this person confessed to doing this, we would go, you're kidding, not, not that person, not, not him or not her. But there are people, again, as I mentioned, in almost every industry, people in entertainment and, and politics and medicine and in religion and business and news, and academia, and so many other areas. Countless, it seems to be, maybe somebody has a number, but how could they? Seems to be countless persons with varying degrees of notoriety who have had, who have had details of their hidden lives exposed for not all the world to see, but certainly much of the world to see. Some of them have only been accused, and, and I am grateful that we live in a society, hopefully, that is still, you are, you are innocent until proven guilty. Some have been only accused, but many have acknowledged, many have acknowledged sexual harassment and rape and solicitation of prostitutes. Many have acknowledged adultery sexual abuse. Some have even said, I'm guilty of pedophilia and any other number of perversions that really, quite honestly, I'm not comfortable even mentioning. Again, some you know, some are very high profile. On Friday night, this message, I've been working on it for months, but on Friday night, I I was driving home, um, uh, I think it was right around 7 o'clock, and, and it was at the top of the hour, and, and uh, I, I heard the, the, news, the newscast, and it was on the radio, and there were two different news releases that, that really caught my attention. Uh, I'm listening to this on the radio, and I later went back and checked some of the facts. One report said that a well-known hip-hop singer, some of you don't know what hip-hop is. If you don't know, Pastor Brad's got all hip-hop albums. He's got all of that. But um, one report said that, that a well-known hip-hop singer earlier in the day, earlier on Friday, had been charged with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse involving four minors. Here's a person that like lots of people know, lots of people really like his music, and, and, and that's one thing, but, but the thing is he was, he was charged with aggra- 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse, not involving just one person, but four. One is too many, four persons. <laughs> Short time later, just seconds later, same news broadcast on my truck radio unrelated to the first, and announced that the wealthy owner of a major sports team had, again, earlier that day, been charged with soliciting a prostitute near his home in Florida. Friday, Friday was apparently a busy day for these kinds of things. 
See, a, a lot of those kinds of stories, right? For a while there, it was, it was like, well, who's going to be exposed today? Anybody else feel that way? It's like, who's going to be exposed today? What, what, what are we going to find out about some high-profile personality today? A lot of those things have surfaced in recent months, and, and I'm sure that there are more to come. Well-known people whose inner life, whose hidden life, is suddenly exposed for all to see. It was there, it's been there in many cases, it's been there for a long time, but finally someone is saying something or doing something, and now what they thought was in this hidden place that no one else knows and really affects no one suddenly becomes known to almost everyone. But here's the thing. It's more than just high-profile persons, isn't it? It's not that, that oh, uh, if, you, if you get to a certain level of notoriety, then it becomes... An, an issue, oh, no, no. Sh- those are the ones that make the news. How many people, how many people do really bad things in dark places that the masses will never know about? They'll never know. And this is why it's difficult because I'm touching on things that, that affect some here very, very deeply, maybe from your own past. How many people have been, let me, let me, how many people have victimized, or more importantly, how many people have been the victim and their names will never make the news? No one will ever know, or few people will ever know, know. but in some cases, only the victim and the perpetrator and God will know. You've heard, perhaps read, um, some of the really tragic numbers, tragic numbers, one in four girls and one in six boys are sexually molested by age 18. Let me give that to you again. One in four girls, one in six boys sexually molested by age 18. Now, I've heard some people say, well, you know, that's that's, 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 that's really a skewed number, and and they give, okay, and you know, uh, I don't know. How do do you measure that? But, But I will say this. If it's one in 10 or 1 in 20, it's way, 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 way too many. If it's 1 in a million, it's too many. But, but, but if, if this is a conservative estimate, 1 in 4 girls, 1 in 6 boys will in some way be sexually molested by age 18, that is a disturbing statistic. Or an estimated today, right today, 2019, an estimated 42 million Americans have been sexually abused at some point in their past. 42 million. The average age of girls who are entering prostitution, I, do, I couldn't find the number on boys, but an average age of girls who, is, who enters 
prostitution is between the ages of 12 and 14. An estimated 90% of abuse victims are abused by someone they, quote, know, love, or trust. 90% of abuse victims, it is by someone that they, quote, know, love, or trust. One more. It, It is estimated that between 90 million and 101 million, 90 million conservatively, up to 101 million women are missing worldwide right now. Now, I, I, I have a really hard time getting my head around that number, but what is, what is, what is the United States like? Like 330 million or something right about now? Almost, perhaps as many as almost a third of our women around the world. And, and why are they missing? Because it's estimated that the majority have been, have been molested, raped, killed, sold off into some far distant place into sexual slavery. Those are some really bothersome numbers. The statistics are grievous. I mean, you hear that kind of stuff and it's like, man, I'm waiting for the good part because there's some good news. Yeah, it's coming, but I'll tell you what, I have to give you some of the bad news first because this is reality. It, it, and it demonstrates these numbers. Why do I mention them? I don't mention them to depress you. I, I mention them, I, I, I recite them because because I want you to understand how our world and our society is convulsing with sexual perversion of every kind. I'm going to say that again. Our world, but let's bring it a little bit closer, our society is convulsing with sexual perversion of some kind. It's convulsing. It's horrible. And and as much as we'd like to say it doesn't happen, it happens. It happens so much. And just when you think it can't get any more vile, it becomes more vile. I mean, in our own paper, sometimes I read our own, I'm not faulting the newspaper, they're reporting the news, but I'm going, this happened just in our backyard? I mean, not our backyard. You understand what I mean. This, this, happens, this happens right here. These horrible things happen right here. This is not the big city. This is not Southeast Asia. This is not in some remote part of Africa. This is not on some street in Europe. This is right here in South and North Dakota. And then when these things are reported, here's the thing. When these things are reported, many people, these high-profile things, when, when, when news breaks about what, are, what people are found doing, there's this, there's this shock. Many people say they are shocked at, at people's behavior. When I hear that, I, 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 I want to scream a little bit. Why should we be shocked when we consider the world in which we live? I'm not excusing people's behavior, but there's a 
There's a relationship. Should we be shocked? Should we even be at the least surprised at the condition of our society when we stop and consider what led us down this path? Do you see why this is a hard message to hear and to speak? Should we be shocked when we when we step back and consider what led us down this path, you see, we're, we're frequently told that there's little or no connection between what we do and then what results. We often hear that. It doesn't matter what you do. It has no relationship, what we do, what we view, what we experience, what we take. There's very little connection, if any, between. We, we hear that, that lie. It's as if the rules of cause and effect have no place in matters of morality. Let me say that again. It's as if the rules of cause and effect have no place in matters of morality. Boy, that's, that's not something that you hear very often, is it? Morality. Morality. Our entertainment industry regularly, and it's a big industry, our entertainment industry regularly celebrates adultery and promiscuity and sexual violence and cruelty. And then they wonder why people do those very things. Our society has made Pornography permissible, readily available, and socially acceptable by calling it good drama or art or expression. And then it wonders why sexual assault and sexual abuse is on the increase. And they're shocked when, look at these numbers, look at the horrible things that are happening. It makes very little association between what is done and what comes from it. Our courts have reinterpreted marriage, expanded it to include what was unthinkable even a generation ago, unspeakable a century ago. And yet many within our society, I'm not talking the other part of the world, many people within our society today press for an even greater expansion of its definition. Many of our, many of our behavioral scientists and some of our educators and medical practitioners have declared that a person's gender is a matter of preference rather than genetics. And we wonder why so many people are confused Seldom, I mentioned this a moment ago, seldom will you see a headline with the words perverse or lewd or sinful or dirty because those words and others like them have been deemed overly judgmental or condemning. Marriage within our culture, marriage within our culture has been devalued by the normalization of cohabitation. 
essentially declaring that the God-created and God-blessed union between a husband and a wife no longer applies to today, or if it does, it doesn't apply to me. We've come to a time in our society when sex before marriage is not only expected to suggest that it should be cherished and saved for marriage is considered laughable. And it was a long time ago that our society stopped condemning homosexuality. Now our society celebrates it. I mean, in so many places and in so many ways, it seems all things having to do with sexual, human sexuality have been twisted and manipulated. It has been blended and then extruded into something that barely resembles what God designed it to be. We've taken what God gave husbands and wives as a gift and we've we think that this is some kind of a malleable thing that we can take and make whatever we want and we're paying the price for it in our society and then after all of its misuse our society is still shocked our society is still shocked when we find out that people who have been saturated in this filth behave badly. Really? Shocked? Why should we be shocked? Why, why are so many people appalled when they find out that so-and-so did this when our society is saturated? How did we get here? How did we get here? Now, I could spend a lot of time talking about how we get, got here and, 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 and some of the persons. We could do all that. I don't have time for that today. But, but, but I want you to get this. How did this epidemic of filth become a pandemic of perversity? You see, I'd, I'd like to tell you that, wow, you know, here in 2019, you know, the first 20 years of the 21st century, we're just, this is like unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this, but, but that, just, that just wouldn't be real. I'd love to tell you it's a, a, it's a new phenomenon, but of course it isn't. Now, we get the news faster, and, and, and fewer and fewer details are, are left out. But let me tell you something, the enemy of our souls has been twisting God's gift of sex from the very beginning. It's marketed often as love, and oh, don't get me wrong, and I'll get to this, sex has a great deal to do with God's plan, a loving plan for a husband and a wife. It has a, it has a huge part in it, but I'll tell you what, it has been so manipulated, so manipulated, so, so, so changed Satan's been doing it from the very beginning. God's word has something to say about it. And, and, and in these pages, we're going to look at a few in just a moment. 
in its pages, in the pages of this book, it repeatedly shows us the effects of the misuse of sex and the delights that God intended sex to be. This book shows both. This book gives examples of people who took that extraordinary gift that God had for a husband and a wife, how they misused it and the price they paid. And it also gives examples of something that was so precious and so cherished and how it blessed that union between a husband and a wife. The Holy Spirit, the author of this book, inspired the Apostle Paul to write these Christians in that first century Roman city of Ephesus. And you need to know that back then, in that society, uh, halfway through the, the first century of, the, of, of this era, year of our Lord, roughly 50 A.D., the followers of Jesus Christ in Ephesus and other areas were surrounded by a culture that was immersed in perversion. I, I won't go into the details, but trust me in this, the, the first century B.C. and the first, second, and third century A.D., there, we have a lot of records of it, and it was absolutely bound in perversion from, at every level. That's the, the world that surrounded them. But God gave this directive, these instructions, this hope, this hope to believers. So I, I want to make the connection between us and them. What we face here, and surrounded by the, 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 the sickened culture in which we live, they too were surrounded by a, a culture that was in many ways very, very similar. Ephesians, finally we get to it. Ephesians, if you're new here, we usually start with the text. But I wanted to, I wanted to set the table. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, read this way. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Gentiles would be the non-Jews, and in this way, reference is, is the non-believer. It's used in that way. This I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Look at the next verse. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? I mean, that, that, that's, that's straight out of right now. Continues. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Just pause there for a, a moment. Again, it says, um, this was your former man. He's writing to Christians. He says, this is how you used to live. I'm paraphrasing now, but he says, we're surrounded in this culture, and they do a lot of things, and they have a lot of, they have a, a lot of you know, low standards, but that's, that, that's your old life. He said, things have changed. He's, he's talking about him. He says, you're, you're done with the, that, that corruption, 
You've been renewed in the spirit of your minds. Remember what I mentioned earlier how, or how Jesus said uh, that we are to love God with everything in us, with our whole heart and soul and mind? Paul here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says you've been re- renewed in your minds. He's, he renews our minds. I, I want you to get, I, I don't want to move on before you get that. He has the ability to renew minds. Some of you had a mind that <coughs> it was dirty, it was foul, it was perverse. I mean, the things you thought, the things you said, the things you did, the things you longed for, it was, it was bad. But God did a work in you and you, he renewed your mind. Some of you, you're, you're still there and, and, and God's, God's doing some work in you. Glory to God, he's not done yet, but he renews our minds. He changes how we think if we yield to him. Look at the next chapter, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love. There's that word, love. He's talking about true love, agape love, selfless love. I'll tell you what, there's this thing called lust that's often misunderstood as as love. It's not love. Lust is absolutely self-centered. It is the most selfish thing. It's all about the pleasure of the person. Love is not about self. Love is about the other person. It's caring for them. Cherishing them. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's talking about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That he hung there because of his love. We we talked about that. Look at verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Saints is not special persons. Saints were, that's what they called Christians back then and still today. These should not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Paul here is writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, saying, listen, don't even let it be said about you as Christians, he's appealing to them, that when people talk about you, they know that you're different by the way you live and by the things that you say. By the way that we live and by the things that we say. Verse 5, for you can be, this is is a warning. Verse 5, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That, that is, that's heavy stuff. I mean, that, that, I don't know about you, but that's sobering. That, that's, that's disturbing. He, verse 5 again, you can be sure of this. Everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. There is cause and effect. And he gives them this warning. He says, don't be like the world around you. We're called to a higher standard. And <coughs> Paul added, he, he's the one who gives us the strength to live that way. Now, <clears throat> some of you, 
Some, some of you may, you know, right, you're listening to this. You're here today or you're listening on a podcast and you're saying, you know, Pastor, I am free to do what I want with my body. You know what? You're wrong. You're wrong. You're not free. You're not free. Oh, I know that you have the ability, but you're not free. If you are in Christ, if you say that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not free to do what you want. You are not free to do what you want. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We can't say, I can do what I want with my body. I know you have the choice. You do have the choice, but you can't say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have surrendered my life to him, and also at the same time say, I will do whatever I want with my body. We say, we say we love God. I love God. I love God. Then do what he says in his word. It's so easy to say. I know, it's so easy to say, I love God. I'm a Christian. I love him. I gave my heart to him a long time ago. And thank God for that if that's you. But we can't say, I love God, and then ignore what he tells us to do in his word. Listen, my friends, I'm grateful. Please don't get me wrong. I'm grateful that persons who have been abused have spoken out and exposed their abusers. I'm I'm grateful for that. I'm I'm grateful. Some, Some are right here in this room. I'm grateful for those who work hard in our social systems, in our society, often with they often do so with little thanks who assist victims of, of sexual assault. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful, I'm grateful for, for, law in, for those in law enforcement and, and, and in legal professions who work hard to bring abusers and traffickers to justice. God bless you. I'm, I'm grateful for you. But let me tell you something, it's going to take something more. It's, something, it's going to take something more than those wonderful parts of our society. It's going to take something more to bring healing to individuals. Because while we can bring a person to justice, there's still someone there who, who, has, been, who has been shredded by abuse. I know so many of your stories, I don't presume, nor will I ever presume to know all of your story. But please know this. If there's something that we can do, you you contact us this week. You call me, you call one of the other pastors, you call and just say, you know, would you give me a call? Let's just start that way. Even after this service, just say, you know, man, I'm I'd like to meet with you because you're sitting and you're thinking, yeah, that's me, I'm, I'm, I need healing. Well, here's the great thing. I know someone who heals. His name is Jesus. I know his name. And he heals. I know, 
I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's, it's, I, I mentioned to someone here, it's one of the reasons why I get up in the morning because I see his, the healing power that he can give to people from whatever, from whatever. I'm not minimizing whatever. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what you've been through. He's the answer. It, again, stay with me. It, it's going to take more than any well-intentioned movement to change our world. It's, 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 it's going gonna, it's gonna to take more than just a movement to change our world. A movement can, can raise awareness. A, a movement can motivate people. A movement may make some think twice about their actions, but it never changes a heart. It will take the power of Jesus Christ through followers of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, will not succumb to the twisted morals of our world. I mean, that's really big. You're a follower of Jesus. Jesus has delivered you from so much. Don't go back to that. That's what Paul was saying to the church. Don't go back to that. Don't go back to that. Don't let it even be hinted among you. It's going to take followers of Jesus Christ who will not surrender to the twisted morals of our world. We can't just look and say, well, what's wrong with it? It's legal. What's wrong with that? It's acceptable. No. God's word says it's wrong regardless of what the statutes say. It's still wrong and it's destructive. It's going to take believers who will Take the powerful healing message of Jesus Christ to a world that is absolutely lost without it. I know that one of the challenges that I faced with this time, with this message, by the way, this is like one of the longest messages I've ever preached, a lot here. There's more that I want to say, but I, I want to add this. I, I told you the other night, Friday night, top of the hour listening to the news. Um, I was in a hurry too because my wife was traveling and I had, I had a sack of Taco John's tacos. I was moving. I was motivated. Wanted to get home and eat those bad boys. In fact, that sounds pretty good right now. Right? I told you I was listening and I heard these two radio reports. There was one more. <laughs> Uh, it was, it was, it was yeah, if you've you know, heard that, what, six, eight-minute report at the top of the hour, local news. It, what they often do is at the end of it, they put a lighter piece, and this was that lighter piece. A little bit funny. The kind of story they, they, they add at the conclusion of the news segment to, uh, to kind of lighten it up. And though they didn't intend to connect all the stories, I, my mind works a little bit differently, and, and, and I saw how they were just perfectly connected, and so I share this with you. The news report was about, maybe you heard about it, the news report was about a valuable coin collection that had been stolen. I don't, I don't remember where, I couldn't listen fast enough, I was thinking about tacos, and, 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 and it was about a, a valuable coin collection that had been stolen. The collectible coins were worth, they said on the news broadcast, tens of thousands of dollars. What, is that newsworthy? Not really. What, what, it was, 
the theft of the coin collection was not what made it newsworthy, but what they did with the coins. You see, here's what, the thieves, thieves are not often very bright. Have you noticed that? The thieves used many of the coins in vending machines and convenience stores buying junk food. They took valuable coins and they put it to get something worth a dollar. Not knowing, listen to me, not knowing the value of what they had, they foolishly spent something worth so much on something worth so little. Not knowing the value of what they had, they foolishly spent something of great value to receive something of almost no value. (laughs) I mentioned earlier, and so I say again, say this to embarrass anyone but I thank God for the gift of sex it's a gift that he gave for husbands and wives man it's 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 precious it's wonderful it's important it's valuable within a marriage and yet, on so many occasions, I've seen, and so have you, people take something of such value that God created, and the enemy, who, by the way, Jesus said he's a thief and a liar. The enemy says, take and spend it on something. And what do they get? Junk food. Will never nourish. May in fact kill. This morning I'm not putting down sex. I'm lifting it up. I'm saying thank God for it. Hold it. Treasure it. Some of you are thinking right now, yeah, well, it's too late for me. No, it's not. Let me say this again. Some of you right now are saying to yourself, you're hearing this voice. It's too late for That's not the voice of God. That is the voice of Satan. It's not too late. They say, well, yeah, but you don't know some of the things that I've done. You're right, I don't. But I do know this. I know a Savior who died not because we were righteous, but because we were lost in our sin. And Jesus makes all things new. I have a precious friend who had a his, she had a horrible history before she came to Christ. She, she did it all. I don't know if she did it all. She did a lot of them. And yet, she came to Christ age 17 or 18. And God transformed her. He renewed her mind. 
and he restored her and he healed her. And, and now years later, she and her husband have a wonderful, wonderful relationship in every way. Why? Because our God has a way of going into the vending machine and pulling it out and saying, no, let me put it back in your hand. I'm going to heal you. So I want to pray for you this morning. Pray two things. Number one, that we would come wherever we are, whatever we've done, we'd, number one, come to a place of repentance. There are some of you right now, the Holy Spirit's been working on you. I don't know, again, I don't know your story, but there are some of you in these moments, the Holy Spirit has really been exposing some things and, and uh, 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 shining some things on, and you're going, I know, I know. Well, today, today, we, we confess it to him, and, and, and the healing begins. But, but you can't, the healing cannot begin until we come to a place of surrendering it to the Lord. That's, that's number one. Second thing we're going to pray for is the healing, is, is that God does a restoration work. There's a lot of things, you know, and again, I'm going to say this. I mentioned earlier that if some of you have faced some abuse of some sort, um, that's, it, was, it was what someone else did. I, I, I want to be very careful that we say that you had a fact in the matter. Often that's, in most cases, that's not the case. You didn't have a choice in the matter. It was done to you. Jesus can heal you. Many times we do have choices in the matter, and we chose the world's way rather than God's way. But Jesus restores you as well. I know he restored me when I was 17. I've shared my story with some of you. God did a real healing work in my life and in my mind. I thank God for that. It's a lot of years later, and I still need to be very careful, but I thank God for his healing power. I know this works. I know it firsthand. I want that for you. In a few moments, we're going to open these altars, and they're always open. Please know that at the close of any service, boy, rare would be the occasion where we would say, don't come up here. This can be a really powerful place. But also know that because of the nature of this, um, I, I, I want to this morning, I want to, I want to pray for you right where you are. Right where, right where you're sitting right now. And so before you stand, before you stand, would you just bow your heads with me right now? And uh, this morning, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know about Him, but you've never, you never asked for Him to come into your heart, that, that has to be where it starts. He wants to heal you and he wants to set you free, but he will only respond to your welcoming him. He will not force himself upon you. Before we go any further, is anyone here that would just lift up your hand and say, yeah, pastor, I want to pray that, that, that Jesus will come into my heart and begin a, a work. I've never, I've never done this or, or I don't know if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, would you just, just, Lift your hand and catch my eye. You can open your eyes. Thank you, right here. Is there anyone else? This is where it begins. 
I want you to, those that raised your hand, I want you to just very quietly in your, just very, just pray this, would you? If you mean it, God's going to do a powerful work in your life. This is very important. I know there are things that people are going to be doing, but let's just hold for right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. If you raise your hand, you just pray that quietly to yourself. You don't, no one else needs to hear. Come into my heart and forgive my sins. I surrender my life to you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead for me. I believe, Lord, that salvation is only possible through you. So I give my life to you. Come in, become my Lord and my Savior. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed, everyone, please. I'm not even going to ask for you to raise your hands. I'm just going to write where you are. You know what's, you know your story. I, I want it to be a good story. So would you just right now where you are, just say, to the Lord, not to me, to the Lord. Today, Lord, I give my life again to you. I surrender it again to you. I, I, I ask that you'll forgive me for the sin, the wickedness that I've given myself to. I ask that you begin a healing process in me. If that's you, go ahead and pray that just real quietly in your heart. Lord, I ask that you will clean me. Clean my start. I give you my heart, but I give you my mind. Begin healing my mind. You know, there's, there's images, there's, there's thoughts, there's words, there's heal my mind. I believe that you're a healer. I believe this pastor says so heal me and continue to heal me change my life I need changing I'm filthy I need changing I can't clean myself up I've tried but you can so I pray this in the name of Jesus amen amen I'd like you to stand with me please I want to pray over you it's been a long, a lot of material. Once again, I shared earlier, we are available to you. If someone here says, you know, boy, there's some really, I'm really fighting some things and I'd just like to talk more, give me a call. Give me a call. Give us a call. Or if maybe you know another brother or sister here and I would ask that it, would be with a brother or a sister in the sense that if you're a man, you get with another man. A woman, you get with another woman. And you trust them. They're a man or a woman of God, I want you to do that as well. We're here. We're in this together.
When we leave this place, there's not one person that's going to leave this place who has a spotless record. But we can be spotless from this day forward because of the power of Jesus Christ. And that's why we gather in the name of Jesus. Again, these altars are open. Let me pray one more time over you. Lord, I ask your blessing upon every man, every woman, every young man, every young woman here in this room. Lord, I pray for every person who has listened to this message, that you, the God of grace, (laughs) Jesus, you didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. (laughs) You didn't come to save holy people. You came to save broken people. (laughs) You didn't come to clean up clean people. You came to clean up people who were soiled by this world, but you did it and you still do it. Hallelujah. As we leave this place, I pray your protection upon us as we drive through some clement weather. pray your blessing upon what will happen here this afternoon. I ask your blessing upon their lives, their marriages, their friendships. I pray that you'll use them for your glory, and I pray you'll give them strength and grace for this coming week. Lord, all that it holds. I thank you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe in him, say amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. to keep us friends.